I'm Ray. And I'm Charlotte. And this is The Midnight Record. The Midnight Record. Yeah. yeah. This is one of our freeform episodes. So free. Um, So free. So, so f- not formed. So lack of form. <laughs> Since we are in spooky season, we thought that we would um do some fun reddit scary stories um so spooky great i'm scared great ghost noises i hope you guys are still listening and we didn't scare you away (laughs) um yeah so our stories are coming from reddit of course we are going to credit the author and we'll leave links to the original stories down below. Mm-hmm. But without further ado, um, yeah, Ray, why don't you start us off? Sure thing. So my story that I have, I don't. it didn't originate on Reddit, but it's been discussed quite a bit on Reddit and many threads. And it is a story, a game of sorts, of Korean or- origin. And it's called The Elevator Game. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of it? Oh, yeah. Have you played it? Uh, no. What am I, an <laughs> idiot? Of course not. Come on. Have a little fun. Live a little. No, I'm good. Thank don't you. Don't live a little. I'm not sure. No, I happen. already see too many spooky things. Yeah, that's true. Life. That's true. You're probably not the person to do it because something will happen. <laughs> I don't think anybody should do this, to be honest. I feel yeah. like, like we discussed when we talked about our like our paranormal experiences. Like when you... When you purposely do things to fuck with the other side uh-huh. you're gonna get burnt like right. i don't care how protected you are it's going to affect your life in some way shape or form so like ouija boards the elevator game what i'm saying candy man in the mirror five times so elevator game originated in korea And it's a ritual game that is said to give the player access to another world. And this is how I'm sure because something that like goes around and like is kind of a legend. I'm sure there's like varying exact rules and ways to play the game. But this is what I found. Um, So basically you get into an elevator alone and go to level four. You stay in the elevator and go to the second floor. Then stay again and go to the sixth floor. Then the second, then the tenth, then the fifth. When you get to the fifth floor, a woman will enter the elevator. But you must not look at her or speak to her, speak to her because she is not what she seems. Then press the button for the first floor. Either the elevator will take you to the first floor and you must leave without looking back and the game is over. Or it will go to the 10th floor, where you can choose to leave or stay. If you leave, you'll be in the other world. It'll look the same as the normal world, but all the lights will be off. You'll be alone, and you'll be able to see a red cross in the distance. You must travel back in the same elevator you came in, which can be hard because the other world can be very disorienting. You may faint or pass out and wake up back in your home. But be careful to make sure it really is your home. And that's that's what it says about the elevator game. And there are some crazy stories about people who claim to have played the elevator game. Okay, so this is from Reddit user DarkInferno07, three years ago. After reading about the elevator game, I decided to play it. I first read about the elevator game here on Reddit dash no sleep it was a friday evening at work when this struck me i didn't have any big plans for the weekend so i decided i'd drive back to work on saturday and test it out on my at my workplace it'd be better to try this out in familiar territory and since it had been it'd be a saturday i wouldn't have to be worried about people interrupting me so saturday morning i drove back to my office left my car in the parking lot and walked up to the building The lady at the security desk, Sophie, greeted me and was surprised to see me on a weekend. After some small talk, I asked her if anybody was in today, and she said I was the only one yet. Well, so far, so good. I got in the elevator, checked my cell phone for the list of the order of the floor buttons I had to press. He messed up the sequence on his first try. So, I pressed the button for the first floor in an attempt to start the ritual again. I got off, and Sophie asked me if everything was all right. I lied and said I thought I'd forgotten my keys in the car and realized they're actually in my pocket. I got into the elevator again and quickly went through the entire sequence 
and finally pressed the button for the first floor. To my dismay, the elevator did not ascend to the 10th floor, but started descending as a normal elevator would. No creepy woman had entered on the fifth floor as the game prophesied either. I got off on the first floor thinking about what I'd say to Sophie for literally getting off on the first floor for the second time in a few minutes. I looked up at the security desk and froze. There was a man sitting there. And when I say sitting there, I mean just sitting there motionless, staring into nothingness blankly. Hello, uh, where is Sophie? I stammered. He slowly turned in my direction and shook his head. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Did she leave? I asked, bile rising up in my throat. He shook his head again. His mouth was open, but no sound came out. I thought I'd better leave as this was getting creepy. As soon as I stepped out of the building, I froze again. The sky was pitch dark. No stars, no nothing. As though it was midnight. That's not possible. It was literally 11 a.m. a few minutes ago. I checked my cell phone. It had no network service anymore, but the clock showed 11.10 a.m. I had hurried over to the parking lot and found it was empty. My car wasn't there. I was starting to panic. The only possible explanation was that the game had worked. But what I was experiencing wasn't what I had read. The sky wasn't crimson. There was no red cross in the distance. And I sure as hell wasn't alone. That dick bag sitting at the security desk reminded me of that fact. I thought for a few minutes and decided that doing the ritual over again was probably the only way to set things right. I walked into the building again and froze for the third time. There was a different man sitting behind the security desk. As I looked at him, he turned to me and smiled. And let me tell you, that wasn't a Mona Lisa smile. It was way too long than a normal human smile, and he was missing a lot of teeth. Without looking at him again, I stepped in the same elevator. That's one of the rules of the game as well. I followed the steps I had before, and right before I could press the button for the first floor, the elevator came to a stop on the fourth floor. The door opened, and a man entered. Now, I'm not stupid enough to be told not to do something, but end up doing it anyway. The, the game clearly said when a woman entered on the fifth floor, I was not to acknowledge her presence. This wasn't the fifth floor, and it didn't seem to be a woman, or maybe it was. I wasn't going to verify that. I looked straight at my own feet. Hello, the man hissed. How are you today? The elevator started to ascend. Fuck, I thought to myself. We should be descending, not going upwards. The elevator stopped at the 10th floor, and a man stepped out. I quickly pressed the button for the first floor. Have a nice day, he hissed as he was walking away. You too, I said instinctively. Fuck. Fuck me for being polite. The man turned around and started to walk quickly back towards the elevator. I rammed the close the door button, but button really hard, and the door shut as soon as he was about to get on. I heard him pound on the door as I started to descend. Praying to every god I could think of, I got off at the first floor. Hey, you're back again, Sophie asked me, a little surprised as I stepped out. I didn't answer for a few seconds, just stared at her. What? she asked, turning a little pink. Oh, nothing. I really should just get home, I said, breathing heavily, and I sprinted out of the building, leaving her confused. The sky was bright again, and I could see my car in the distance. I drove straight home and rushed into my room. I checked everything I could find online about this damn game, people's experiences and stories, but I couldn't find anything that was similar to what I'd just been through. I finally gave up. That was the last time I'm ever going to try out this stupid internet paranormal rituals, and I would advise anyone who reads this against it. Stay strong and safe and use the fucking stairs. They're good for you. The end. Fun story? Spooky? The entire time I was just like, my chest was tightening. I was like, sir, why do people do this? Fuck with the other side. Like, why? First of all, there's so many like horrors that already happen in this realm. Right. <clears throat> that we don't need to be in, in, Invoking more things, but then on top of it, it's just like, are you stupid or what? Are you dumb? So, I mean, there's a lot of different uh, threads on here with stories of people trying it. But one of the ways that this game was perpetuated a lot, too, was in connection with the Elisa Lamb case. Mm-hmm. Because... For those who aren't familiar with this case, uh, Elisa Lamb was staying at the Cecil Hotel, which is a very notorious hotel. We could probably do a whole episode on the hotel itself. It got a lot more notoriety at the be- in at the beginning of 2021 mm-hmm. because Netflix came out with this huge documentary mm-hmm. specifically about Elisa's case. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like... Ghost Adventures jumped mm-hmm. on it, like a lot, a lot of it, things. Yeah, it, it went viral yet again. Um, Because I think 
it first, like, I mean, everything first went viral when um, the case was, like, going on. And when the elevator footage came out, that went really viral. Oh, yeah. So, and for those who aren't familiar, which I'm sure most of you are, but um, Elisa Lamb was staying at the Cecil Hotel. She uh, went missing. Um, and there was a period of time where they were trying to find her. Um, and this footage came out. It was like the last footage of her. And she's seen on an elevator acting very strange. Um, kind of like poking her head in and out, doing strange gestures. It almost looks like she's hiding from somebody. And the way that her like hand is moving Mm -hmm. is in this very... It almost looks like her fingers are like too long for right. her hand, and it's, it's very like very, not even human looking. Almost, it's definitely not. It definitely does not look human for sure. And even just her like popping her head in and out, I'm like it, that. It creeped me out. Very odd and she behavior. at one point she like presses all the buttons on the elevator, and the elevator doors throughout this period it's sitting for like a minute, and the elevator doors don't even attempt to close. Right, which is very strange. Um, yeah, and like. The whole footage is just very, like, eerie and chilling. Um, And it was talked about that she was possibly doing the elevator game and something happened. But uh, she ended up being found in the water tank on the roof of the building. Um, But even such, it still circulated that possibly she was doing this and it went wrong and something happened. Um... In connection with the case. Do you have any, uh, like, theories on the case that you think happened? Like, because there's a lot of different theories. People think that possibly she was murdered. People think that she was just having a psychotic break. People think she was doing the elevator game. People think a lot of different things. Um, What do you think? About that case specifically. People also think that the... The whole hotel itself is, like, demonic. Well, yeah, for sure. That place is, like, a cesspool mm-hmm. of evil, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I personally will never be stepping foot no. inside of that place. Literally. So. We had Richard Ramirez staying there. So many murders. So many murders, so many suicides. Like, just people jumping out of the windows. Sexual assaults. It's yeah. just bad. There was so. one person who jumped out of the window, landed on somebody else, and killed that person as well. Yeah. Murder, suicide, literally. Ugh. Um... I I am of like two school two schools of thought. Mm-hmm. Either she was very mentally un, more mentally unwell than her doctors previously thought that she was, mm-hmm. um, and she there was an accident, and then the uh, hotel put her in the water tank to cover up everything, mm-hmm. um, or. She became the target of something otherworldly. And, Mm -hmm. like, to our listeners, like, I respect if you don't believe in this. Right. There have been a lot of cases where people have acted completely out of character to the point where they'll, like, murder or hurt their loved ones because they're being oppressed by some sort of evil energy Mm -hmm. um i mean has it been confirmed that she was playing the elevator game because like i don't think the way that she was maybe she was trying to play it or something yeah it hasn't been confirmed it's just theorized because of like her the way she's acting in the elevator like her pressing like a bunch of buttons the elevator staying open like just it's theorized i don't know i i am definitely in the school of thought where i think that there is probably something paranormal going on or some sort of hallucination that happened yeah. i mean what about you what do you think i i go back and forth so much on this one um it's definitely i feel like it's like one of the most mysterious cases in my opinion and there's just so many theories and ways that you can kind of think about the case just because we really don't know much because obviously elisa is the one who was experiencing everything and we don't have her to speak to. Um, but I definitely think there is something dark about that hotel and there's something about the hotel that 
maybe even like causes all these like things to happen like there's just there's something there's some kind of like dark presence there i feel i think it might be like on like some sort of portal that is allowing bad things to like cross over more easily right i feel like the show talked about that like that it was like on some type of like land or it's something. On a, or... It's on um, an electromagnetic field, mm. which um, on one of those ley lines. So it typically places that are on these electromagnetic lines um, are more prone to paranormal activity. A lot of indigenous peoples, you know, will build burial mounds or large... Um, like uh, places for uh, spiritual like enlightenment mm-hmm. without even, you know, knowing, quote unquote, knowing, not having the technology yet to mm-hmm. figure that out. But they'll just build it there. Right. Um, it's a little crazy. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I just, um, yeah, I agree. I think that there's something really wrong with that hotel. Yeah. Really wrong. Are there any other like... Um... I guess, like, more popular cases that you think, like, had some kind of paranormal influence influences. Like, the one that I'm thinking of is, like, uh, the Amityville Horror that some people theorize that, like, something was, like, overpowering him. And just, like, some of the circumstances uh, in that, like, the other... Um, the other family members not making waking up as he shot each one mm-hmm. just like some people theorize that some kind of something took over him right and in i mean in the movie that's kind of insinuated as well but of course like in, mo- yeah, in movies the things movie are hyper right yeah and the movies sure. things are done like that but i was just wondering if there was any other cases that you know of that like have the, a possible paranormal influence i mean of course you have I mean, when it comes to, like, murder and things like that, not a ton because that is a really hard, um, that's a hard stance to, like, take in a court of law. Right. Um, the, that, the newest Conjuring movie came out. I haven't seen it yet. Over the summer. It was really great, but it specifically, um, covers the case of, I believe, um, Arnie Johnson, Mm. who, uh ended up killing his landlord and he he was the first one in a like his case was the first case in America to actually have the the side of the devil made me do it essentially Mm. um and he did end up having to serve time for his crime but not I think it was maybe like five years or something like that Mm -hmm. it was a very short period of time Because the whole point is, like, you know, America is, you know, a Christian nation because it was colonized by Christians. And Mm -hmm. I completely am uh, taking, uh, like, acknowledging that. Right. But um, by having, you know, at least at the time, I think that happened in the 60s, um, by having everyone lay their hand on a Bible and say, like, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, all that stuff. You are um, already admitting the presence of God or right. a supreme being that is the good side. Mm-hmm. So by acknowledging the good side, don't you also acknowledge that there is a dark side? Right. And so why would this be so far-fetched? So that was the whole um, case. Mm-hmm. That was the first time... Um, but, you know, there have been so many people who have gone on trial because exorcisms have gone wrong. Right. People have died because of exorcisms. Um, what is the one case? Well, it wasn't in America, but um, I think Annalise, it was Germany. Annalise. It's Annalise Michelle. Yeah. Um, that oh, one The is, recordings of that. I, when I, I was don't, younger. I don't listen to them. When I was younger, um, I mean, me and my friends would always, like, look up, like, creepy shit when I was, like, young. And, like, one night we, like, listened to that and... Let's just say I didn't sleep too well. I was going to say, this is also coming from you who used to literally look at pictures of Albert Fish. Yes. And his and his x-rays. <laughs> yes. Um, I was a strange kid, all right? I, hey, we're all, we're all a little strange I here. also, I like to, um, 
torture myself and then not allow myself to sleep. The Albert Fish ones didn't really not allow me to sleep, but like things like that, and, like paranormal stuff I would look up, that stuff would uh, keep you up. Keep me up at night. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to need to talk to your mom about that. Um, <laughs> kidding. Um, totally she, kidding. She already knows I'm not okay. Yeah. She's aware. My mother knows that I'm very she, mentally unstable. She's, she's given up. Um, yeah, but I don't really know if there are a ton of... Because I feel like cases that might have some sort of paranormal leaning are usually more looked at mental health. And I understand mm-hmm. why, because a lot of people don't believe in the paranormal. Right. And again, I respect that opinion, but like, you're wrong. Um, sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I looked up just out of curiosity. I typed in true crime cases, paranormal. And there's a book by Conrad Bauer called Paranormal Crimes, Supernatural and Unexplained True Crimes. I'd be interested to it read called? it. All right. Well, I have... Um... A couple of fun original yeah. stories from the Reddit. Let's rock and roll. All right. Spook me. <clears throat> so this is a story by user E-A-P-A-T-B-P. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I said that right. <laughs> Sorry, my guy. Um, again, we'll link all these <clears throat> below. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is called... This story is called... My sugar daddy asked me for weird favors. I thought it could be a okay. fun, like, paranormal meets OnlyFans story. Oh, I love that for us. <laughs> I mean, get your coin, girl. Get it however you want. Trick um, or treat. Trick or treat. All right. <clears throat> His Tinder profile said he was 45, but he looked to be in his early 30s at most. Looking for a sugar baby, $700 weekly, no sex. It sounded too good to be true, Mm -hmm. but as a broke university student, I was willing to take my chances. I swiped right and Tinder let me know it was a match. His message came seconds later. Hey there, sweetheart. I cringed at that word. I hated it. But $700 or $700, so I sucked it up and replied. Hey, smiley face. His name was Jack, and he told me he owned his own business, although he never specified what kind of business it was. We talked for a while while he asked me for my Venmo to send me the first payment. After a few minutes, I got the notification. I stared at the $700 for at least 20 minutes, expecting expecting to wake up from a dream at any second, but it wasn't a dream. You still there? I clicked on the message. Yeah, sorry. If you don't mind me asking, what are you looking for in return? I stared at the chat until he replied, I'm just looking for you to do a few favors for me, smiley face. That sounded like it was going to be sexual to me. Mm -hmm. Like what? For example, the first thing I need you to do is pick up a delivery for me. That sounded innocent enough, but I was still expecting that there was going to be some kind of twist. $700 to pick up a package? Come on. Even I wasn't that naive. From the post office or something? No, I'll send you the address, but I'd rather not do it through Tinder. You got kick? Or you can give me your number. Kick? What was this, 2011? (laughs) I decided to give him my number instead, and he texted me the address immediately, followed by the address to his house, where I would have to drop off the package. I'm not home right now, but there is a key on the bottom of the blue flower pot near the door. Go inside and put the package on the coffee table in the living room. Make sure that you lock the door when you go inside the house and then lock it again when you leave. I grabbed the keys and wallet and got into my car, putting the address into Google Maps. Got it. On my way. My phone buzzed as I backed out of the driveway. I'm serious. Lock the door both times. Please. I thought this was a little excessive, but I promised him that I would. The house looked abandoned. It was a... It was a broken chain link fence around it with a small door that was hanging on to dear life. It stuck out like a sore thumb surrounded by houses that were a lot nicer than this one in comparison. You here for Jack's shit? I looked up to see a man standing in the open doorway of the house. He took, he took up almost the entire space. His head swim, his head skimming the top of the door frame. He was huge in height and muscles, and his entire torso was covered in tattoos. 
Uh, yeah, I guess, I replied, not moving from my spot on the sidewalk. Sidewalk. Stay right there, he said. I did. I actually didn't think, I actually don't think I would have moved if he had asked me to. I looked around, smart, honestly. <laughs> I looked around and realized that there was no, no one else on this street. As a 21-year-old woman alone on the street, I gripped my car keys. A few minutes later, the man came back carrying a cardboard box. It was about the size of a shoebox, but stained and damp on some of the corners. Can you open your car, he asked. I opened the trunk, not wanting that inside my car seats, and he set it in. All right, there you go, he said. Thanks, I replied. I walked around the driver's side of the car and opened the door. Oh, and one more thing, he said. I looked at him. Watch out, he said. I didn't reply. For what? I blasted my music as I drove to Jack's house, hoping it would drown out my anxiety. It didn't. I parked my car in the stone driveway and stayed inside the car, admiring the house. It was a huge house with stone pillars on the front porch and the greenest grass I've ever seen in my life. I turned the car off and got out. I grabbed the package, walked to the front door, getting the key from where he said it would be. I opened the door and stepped in, closing it behind me. I thought about what he had said about locking the door when I got inside. I thought that was a little overboard, but as I stared at the closed door, something made me reach out and lock it. I walked inside, my feet cushioned by thick maroon carpet, and admired the inside of the house. All the furniture was wooden and looked incredibly expensive. I would probably finish school a dozen times with the money it took to furnish that place. I set the package down on the coffee table, and as I walked back to the door, I heard the phone ringing from somewhere inside the house. I froze. In my pocket, my phone buzzed. I took it, I took it out to look. Don't answer any calls that aren't from Marvin. I put my phone back and followed the sound of the phone, poking my head into a few different rooms before I found it in the office. I walked over to the desk and looked at the co- looked at the caller ID. Which was this a huh? like actual house phone? Who has those? I know who still has a landline. <laughs> um, apparently, important fancy people do. Mm. I'm not one of those. It was an incoming call from Jack. That was odd. I grabbed my phone to look at the message again. I was starting to get a little creeped out, and I said. And I decided I wouldn't answer just to be safe and left the house, remembering to lock the door as I left. I've done a few more favors for Jack since then. I drove a BMW to a random park in another city only to get out and drive a different car back to Jack's house. He had me meet one of his quote unquote employees at lunch who gave me a briefcase to deliver to the first house I'd gone to and told me he would know if I looked inside. On several occasions, he made me drive down to that same house and stay with the guy, whose name was Julio, for a certain amount of time. In total, I've made around $3,500. Most recently, Jack asked me to stay at his house overnight. I woke up to a text message from him. I need you to spend the night at my house. I had never seen him in person, but I had talked to him but I had talked to him on the phone a few times. He proceeded to tell me he would pay me $1,000 to spend the night at his house, provided I follow a few rules. I drove to his house that evening. The driveway was empty, as it normally was, but the porch light was on. I walked up, unlocked the door, went inside, and then locked it again. Everything in the house looked the same. Jack had told me over the phone that he would leave a list of rules on the dining room table. I set all my stuff down in the living room. My bags looked like garbage in comparison to the fancy furniture in there. I wandered into the kitchen and then to the dining room. Sure enough, there was a piece of paper on the wooden table held down, held down by an empty glass. Lock the door when you come in. Only answer phone calls from Marvin. Don't turn on any faucets between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. Don't open the door for anyone, no matter who they say they are, after 10 p.m. If the door to the closet at the end of the hall is open, sleep in the library. If closed, sleep in any of the bedrooms. The gardener comes at midnight. If he starts knocking on the windows, hide. Turn the TV on and let it play 
on static throughout the night. Do not forget to do this. Help yourself to anything in the fridge. I'll pay you in the morning. Good night. No, thanks. Yeah, I'd be like, I'm, I'm good. No Goodbye. What, the closet thing is getting me. What's, what, what's in the closet? Who's Marvin? Who is Mar- <laughs> Honestly, who is Marvin? We need to know. Honestly. Is he going to call? Because we need to speak with him. <laughs> we have many questions for him, actually. One of our phones starts ringing. It's like, oh uh, It says, might be Marvin. Dead. Oh, my God. I, I would, leave. we would both, ah, and just scream <laughs> and, like, leave. Um, I made sure to follow all the rules. To be honest, I was regretting my decision. But seeing I was already here and I was getting paid, I decided to stay anyway. I figured as long as I followed all the rules, I'd be perfectly fine. Still, it felt a little odd. What was this? A haunted house? Nevertheless, I lounged around the house for a few hours as I was planning to go to sleep around 9 since that was the time that all the weird shit would start to happen. At 8.50, I brushed my teeth using the faucet for the first time, for the last time before 9. I checked the closet in the hallway and upon seeing that it was open, I moved all my stuff to the library and got ready to sleep on the couch. I locked the doors just in case and laid on the couch, scrolling through my phone. I hadn't gotten any more messages from Jack. I started to think up scenarios and reasons on why he had such strict, particular sets of rules in his house. I dozed off at some point because at exactly 10.16 p.m., I was woken up by the doorbell ringing. I was about to get I was about to get up to check but then I remembered the rule don't open the door for anyone no matter who they say they are after 10 p.m. Uh-uh. I stayed on the couch trying not to move paranoid that they would he- hear even the slightest sound it's the police open up I didn't move hello it's the police open up or we're coming in I still didn't move but I could hear my heartbeat in my ears. There was silence for a while after that. Then the doorbell rang again. Hey, it's Jack. Let me in. It sounded like Jack, but still, I didn't get up. He would have a key, wouldn't he? Yeah. Why would he need me to let him in? Exactly. Smart. Smart girl. This continued for almost a full hour. Different people would ring the doorbell, announce themselves, and then disappear when I didn't respond. I was finally able to fall asleep, and the gardener never came. When I woke up the next morning, I heard someone in the kitchen. I got up slowly and unlocked the door as quietly as possible, taking my phone with me, walking across the living room and into the kitchen. I stopped at the entrance and peered in. It was Jack. He was standing in front of the stove, stirring something as the coffee machine brewed coffee on the counter behind him. Hey, good morning, he said when he saw me. Hi, I replied, nervous. I hadn't seen him in person before, but he looked exactly like he, like his pictures online. Scrambled eggs, he asked, motioning to the pan with a wooden spoon. Yeah, thanks, I replied, walking over to take the plate from him. I ate my breakfast and drank some coffee in silence. So how was it, he asked. It was okay. Nothing super freaky happened, I replied. Cool, he replied. Then there was an awkwardness in the room. I think I'm gonna go now. I have class. I trailed off. I didn't, but I really wanted to get out of there. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, sure. I'll talk to you some other time, he replied. I grabbed my stuff, and he walked me to the car. I could see him standing in the driveway staring at me as I left. When I got home... I unpacked all my stuff and noticed I still had the list with me. I sat on my bed and read it again. I felt my body tense up as I realized I had forgotten something. Do you remember what she forgot? No. Turn on the TV. Oh, the static. Turn the TV on and let it play on static throughout the night. Do not forget to do this. Turn the TV on and let it play on static throughout the night. Do not forget to do this. Do not forget to do this. I stared at the words on the page until they lost meeting. Beside me, my phone buzzed, snapping me back into reality. 
It was a thousand dollar payment. I looked at my phone and then looked back at the list. Maybe it wasn't an important step. I was thinking this over. A text from Jack came came in. I'm not in town right now. I should be back next week. So you're free from running any more errands for me until then. Just sent the payment. Go do something fun. I stared at the message and read it again. And again. And once more for good measure. I'm not in town right now. I thought back to this morning and how Jack was in his house. How he gave me breakfast. I'm not in town right now. Within minutes, a new text came in this time from a number I didn't recognize. Did you forget to do something, smiley face? The text was followed by a picture of Jack or whoever this version of Jack was standing in front of the TV. I didn't respond. Next came another picture. This one was outside of my house. It was followed by another text. Watch out. Oh, no. Oh, no. Bitch. Ooh. Not Jack number two. A doppelganger Jack. Oh, God. Was he in the closet? I don't know, but it sounds like spooky, scary skeletons to me. The TV static. And shivers down your spine. I'm spooked. <laughs> I w- First off, I would have never. No. I would have read those rules and left. Could not be me, could never be No, I would have, like, I don't even know if I would have got to the rules, but I would have read those rules and been like, this sounds like paranormal-ish. I gotta go. No. Did that scare you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm real spooked. This is perfect setup for my haunted bar crawl after this. Yes. I've read that story before, like, a long time ago, but I forgot how it ended because literally, like, I was like, what did she forget to do? Yeah. No, I didn't even, well, the list was, like, extensive. The the thing that I thought about the most was the closet. It's like, why does she need to sleep somewhere different if it's open? I don't like, I did not. And I don't like like the people all knocking on the door different, like, that was definitely some, like, demon shit trying to convince... let something in but she won't okay who knows what those eggs were your demons make good eggs i think it was like a doppelganger situation mm-hmm. um which if you would like to do is if you would like for us to do an episode on doppelgangers we would be happy to do because i find doppelgangers That'd be fascinating That'd be fun. and like so they're I urban don't know much about them all i know about them is from the vampire diaries elena Catherine and elena and Good Silas, and bad Damon. And... Silas was another one. Like they all had like a million doppelgangers. Did they? Yeah. Hey there, I'm Tara. And I'm Jessica. And together we co-host the podcast Three Spooked Girls. If you love the paranormal or murder. Join us on Mondays for full-length episodes where we discuss our favorite paranormal stories and true crime cases. And join us again on Thursdays for our mini-sodes called Stabby Snippets, where we tell you all about true crimes happening in the news. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, wherever the hell else you listen to your pods at. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by using the handle at 3 Girls. Come and hang out with us and get your spooky on while we scare the hell out of you. Love that. Okay. So I'm gonna I have I have three other stories that are up, but I will I want you to pick which one. Okay. Okay, so the first one is called I'm a search and rescue operator. Last month I responded to a distress signal originating from an uninhabited island. I discovered a journal whose contents were disturbing. Then we have something walks whistling past my house every night at 3.03 a.m. And then we have, my job is watching a woman trapped in a room. I'm between the 3.03 or the woman trapped in a room. Let's do 3.03 then. Okay. 
Yeah, spooky, scary. Because 303 is like, um, it looks like it's a like the first chapter of like a series. Uh-huh. But anyway. This story is called Something Walks Whistling Past My House Every Night at 303. It's by Grand underscore theft underscore motto. Clever. Classic. Love that. Um, and it actually won the scariest story of 2019 and the most immersive story of 2019 and also won, um, a Reddit award in November of 2019, I think for just being spooky, scary skeletons. Yay. Good one. Every night, no matter what the weather, something walks down our street whistling softly you can only hear it if you're in the living room or in the kitchen when they walk by, but it usually, but it always starts at exactly 3.03. The sound starts faint somewhere near the beginning of the lane near the Carson place. We're towards the middle of the street, so the whistling moves past us before fading away in the direction of the cul-de-sac. When I was younger, my sister and I would sneak into the kitchen some nights to listen. Mom and Dad didn't like that, and we'd catch hell if they found us out there, but they were never too hard on us since we always stuck to the one big rule. Don't try to look at whatever was whistling. Okay. My neighborhood is a funny place. I've lived here since I was six and I love it. The houses are small and well kept, good side yards, plenty of places to roam. There are lots of other kids here my age. I turned 13 back in October. We grew up together and would always play Ford Square in the cul-de-sac or roam around from the back port from back porch to back porch in the summer. It was a good place to grow up. I'm old enough to see it. And there's only the two strange things here. The night whistling and the good luck. The whistling never bothered me much. Like I said, I couldn't even hear it from my bedroom, but mom and dad don't like talking about it. So I've stopped asking questions. My dad is a strong guy, tall, calm. He has an accent since he moved to the U.S. as a kid. His family, my grandparents, they're from the islands. That's what they call it. My dad is the only time he... My dad, the only time he isn't calm is if the whistler comes up. He talks a little quicker then. His eyes move faster. And he tells us not to think about it so much and to always remember the one rule. The big rule. Don't try to look outside when the whistler walks past. Not that we could... Not that we could look, even if we wanted... See, there are shutters on the inside of every window, thick pieces of heavy canvas that pull down from the top and latch on the bottom of each window frame. Each latch has a small lock and about the size of what you'd find on a diary. My dad locks those shutters every night before we all go to bed and keeps the key in his room. My mom, I don't know what she thinks about the whistling. I've seen her out in the living room just before 3.03 when the sound starts. I could see her if I cracked my door open just an inch to peek. She's not out there often, at least I haven't caught her much. But once or twice a month, I think she sits out there on our big red couch just listening. The whistler has the same tune every night. It's cheerful. Remember how I said that there were two odd things about where I live? Well, besides our night whistler, everyone in the neighborhood is really lucky. It's hard to explain, and Dad doesn't like us talking about that this part much either, but good things just seem to happen to people around here a lot. Usually it's small things, winning a radio contest or getting an unexpected promotion at work, or finding some arrowheads buried in their yard, you know, the authentic kind. The weather is pretty good, and there's no crime, and everyone's gardens bloom extra bright in the fall. A million little blessings, I've heard my mom say about living here. But the main reason we stay here, why we moved here in the first place, is my sister Nola. She was born very sick, something with her lungs. We couldn't even bring her home when she was born, only visiting, only visit her at the hospital. She was so small, I remember. Small even compared to the other babies. A machine had to breathe for her. We moved into our house. We moved into our house here to be closer to the hospital. As soon as we moved, Nola started getting better. The doctors couldn't quite figure it out. They chalked it up to whatever they were doing, but all we could tell, they were very confused. But my parents knew, even I knew, Nola getting better was just another 
of the million little blessings we got for living in our neighborhood. So that's why we stayed even after we found out that for every small miracle that happens here every day, now and then some bad things happen. But they only happen if you look at the Whistler. Mm. See, our, our community has a welcoming committee. They showed up with a macaroni casserole and a gift basket and a manila folder whenever someone new moves in. They are very friendly. Four people showed up when we moved in seven years ago. The committee made small talk, gave me a Snickers bar, and took turns holding Nola. It was her first week out of the hospital, so they were extra careful. Then the committee asked to speak to my parents in private, so I was sent to my room, where I still managed to hear nearly every word. The welcoming committee told my parents about how nice the neighborhood was, really exceptionally hard to explain kind of place kind oh hard to explain kind of nice and then they told my parents about the even harder to explain whistling that happened every morning at 303 and ended at the tick of 305 the group our new neighbors warned my parents that the whistling was quiet and would never harm or hurt us as long as we didn't look at what was making the sound That part they stressed, and I pushed my ear onto the door, straining to hear them. People who went looking for the whistler had their luck changed, sometimes tragically. A black cloud would hang over anyone that looked. Anything that could go wrong would. The the manila folder the committee brought over contained newspaper clippings, stories about car crashes and ruined lives, public deaths and freak accidents. Not everybody dies, I heard the head of the committee tell my dad, but the life goes out of them. Even if they live, there's no life in them. There's no light in them ever again. No presence. My mom, I could tell she wasn't taking it seriously. She kept asking if this was some sort of prank they play on new neighbors. At one point, my mom got angry, accusing the committee of trying to scare us out of our new home and asking them if they were racist on account of my dad being from the islands. My dad calmed her down and told her he could tell our new neighbors were sincere and that they were just trying to help us. He explained that he grew up hearing these kinds of stories from his mom and he knew that there were strange things that walked among us. Some of those strange things were good and some of them were bad, but most were just different. The committee left and my dad went to the hardware store, bought the canvas blinds, the latches and the locks and extended installed them on every window in the house after dinner. The first night in our new house, I crept out of my room at 3 a.m. only to find my dad awake sitting on the living room couch holding my baby sister. My dad held up his finger in a shh motion but patted the couch next to him and I sat and we waited. At exactly 3.03, we heard the whistling. It came and it went just like our neighbor said. The whistling returns each night, and we never look, and we enjoy our million little blessings every day. Nola breathes on her own, and she's grown into a strong, clever girl. My dad even joined the welcoming committee. We don't get new neighbors often. Why would anyone want to leave? But when a new family moves in, my dad and the committee bring them a macaroni casserole, a gift basket, and the manila folder. I can always tell by the look on my dad's face when he comes back if the family took the committee seriously or if we'd be getting new neighbors again very soon. Not long after, a family moved in directly next to us. The previous owner, Mrs. Maddie, passed away at 105. She had lived a good long life. Our new neighbors seemed like they fit in just fine. They believed the welcoming committee took my dad's advice about the locking shutters since they had a very young child of their own. Whatever newspaper clippings were in the manila folder, whatever evidence, my dad never let us see. But I imagine it must have been awfully convincing since our neighbors got along with no issues for the first month. One night when our new neighbors had to leave town, they sent their son Holden to stay with us. He was 12, a year under me in school. I didn't know him well before that night, but as soon as his parents dropped him off after dinner, I could tell it was going to be a bad time. 
do you know who who's always out there whistling every night holden asked the moment the adults left the room the three of us were sitting in the den some disney movie playing idly on the television my sister and i exchanged a glance we don't talk about that i said i think it's that weirdo that lives in the big yellow house in the corner holden said mr tolls my sister asked no way he's really nice holden shrugged it must be a psycho killer then nola tensed we don't talk about it i repeated let's go into my room and play nintendo we spent the next few hours playing games eating popcorn then watching movies a typical sleepover but i could see holden was getting antsy after my parents had wished us a good night locked the blinds and gone to bed Holden stood up from his beanbag and walked over to where Nola and I were sitting on my bed. Have you ever even tried looking, he asked. It's nearly time. Like most sleepovers, we'd conveniently ignore any suggestion of a bedtime. I was shocked to see he was right. It was almost 3 a.m. I sighed. We don't... I see, I can't. I can't even try to look because my dad locks the blind every night and hides the key. He continued ignoring me. So does our dad, said Nola. No, replied Holden. No, he doesn't. You saw him do it a little sharper than I meant to sound. Holden grinned. Your dad locks the blinds, yeah, but he doesn't hide the key. He keeps it right on his normal keychain. So, I asked, worried I already knew what he would say next because I had noticed that my dad didn't bother hiding the key anymore after all these years, because he knew we took it seriously. So after your dad locked up, but before your parents went to bed, I went to the bathroom. And on my way, I may have peeked into their room, and I may have seen your dad's key on his nightstand, and maybe I borrowed the key to the blinds. Nolan and I stared, and his grin only grew wider. You're lying, I said. Holden shrugged. You can check if you want. Just open your parents' door and look, and you'll see his keychain right there on the nightstand. Stay here, I told both of them. Don't move a muscle. I hurried over to my parents' room, but hesitated at the door. If Holden wasn't lying, my dad would be angry, beyond angry. I was scared thinking about it, but more scared of an open window with the whistler right outside. I opened the door barely an inch and looked in, but it was too dark to see. Taking in a deep breath, I walked into the room. Two steps into the dark, I froze. The whistling started, and I could hear it clearly from my parents' room. I never realized, but they must have heard that sound every night since we moved into the house. They never told us. I don't think I could have slept through it. I stood there listening to the whistling come closer unsure whether I should turn on a light or call out for my dad. Soft sounds from the living room brought me back to the reality. Nola, I yelled, running out of my parents' room. Holden and Nola were standing near the front door next to the window. Holden wasn't lying. I could see him fumbling with the lock on one of the blinds. I heard a click. He did have the key. Holden let out a quick laugh. No, (laughs) I'm like getting like creeped, creeped myself. Nola stood beside him, hunched up, afraid, but maybe curious. The whistling was right outside our house now. I think I made a sound called out. I don't remember. Time felt frozen. Clock hands nailed to the face, but I found myself moving. I'm not fast. I've never been athletic. Somehow I covered the space between myself and Nola in that moment. My eyes were locked on her, but I heard Holden pull the blind all the way down so it could release, and I heard the snap as it started to rise. I heard the whistling just on the other side of the window, but I had my arms around Nola, and I turned us so she would be facing away from the window. At the same time, I jammed my eyes shut. The blind whipped open. And the whistling stopped. I felt Nola shaking in my arms. Don't look, okay, I told her. Don't turn around. We were positioned so that she was facing back towards the hallway and I was facing the window. My eyes were still closed. I felt her nod into my shoulder. I reached out with an arm not holding Nola, tried to touch Holden. My hand brushed against his arm. He was shaking worse than Nola. 
Holden, I asked. Silence. I reached past him and gingerly felt for the windows, my eyes sealed shut. The glass was cold against my fingertips, colder than it should have been for that time of year. I moved my hand up the window, searching for the string on the blind. The glass began to get warmer the further I reached, and there was a gentle hum feeding back into my fingertips. I tried not to think about what might be on the other side of the window. Finally, I touched the string and yanked the blinds shut. I opened my eyes and the dim light leaking out from the kitchen. I can make out Holden, pale, small, staring at the now closed window. Holden, I asked again. He hurt. He turned towards me and he screamed. Everything became a flurry of motion. Lights sparked to life in the hallway, then the living room, my parents' footsteps setting across the hardwood floor. I didn't turn to look back at them. My eyes were glued to Holden. He was pale. He had bit his lips so hard that there was a thin red line of blood running down his chin, and he had wet himself. What happened, my dad asked from behind me. I managed to swivel away from Holden and looked back. He looked. I'd never seen my dad scared before, but I saw it that night in that moment. An old, ugly terror stitched on his face, a parent's fear. Just Holden, he mouthed to me. I nodded yes. My dad let out a breath. He looked so relieved, I nearly expected him to cheer. But then he turned to Holden and my dad's face changed. I wonder if he felt bad for feeling good that Holden was the only one that looked. There was a knock at the door. We all froze. Holden whimpered. Don't answer it, my mom said. She stood at the threshold of the hall. I'd always known she was a skeptic and just humored my dad about the windows and the whistler. But that night we were all believers. I noticed that both my parents held baseball bats they must have taken from their bedroom. The knock came again, a little louder this time. Please don't open the door, Holden whispered. My dad walked back over to him, hugged him close. We won't, my dad promised, still holding his bat. Nothing is coming in here tonight. Thud, thud, thud. This time, the knocking was loud enough to rattle the door. Holden screamed again, and Nola clutched her arms around my neck. My mom came over and knelt down next to us, wrapping my sister and me close. Thud, thud, thud. Call the police, my mom whispered to my dad. The knocking instantly stopped. My dad looked over his shoulder at us. Do you think... He was cut off by frantic knocking and trailed off by a polite tap, tap, tap. Police? Something said from the other side of the door. The voice from outside sounded exactly like my mom, like a parrot repeating the words back to her. Police. Call the police. Tap, tap, tap. Police? My mom pulled us closer. Police? 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 Please stop, I heard her whisper. I don't think calling them will help, my dad said. How will we know when they're the ones at the door? The knocking came harder than before. The door shook and then it stopped. After a long moment, I heard the knocking again, but it was coming from our back door. We all turned towards the back door and the knocking immediately returned to the front door. Front to back, back to front. Loud, then quiet, then loud again. Suddenly, the noise was coming from both doors at once, big, heavy blows like a sledgehammer. Then something started rapping against the windows of the house, then the walls, and it was like we were living inside of a drum with a dozen people playing in at once. We were a turtle, and something was attempting to claw us out of our shell. Stop, Holden yelled. The knocking died. I won't tell, Holden said, staring at the door. I promise I won't tell everyone what I saw. Just please go away. We waited nearly for a minute. We heard it, a soft tap, tap, tap coming from the window Holden had looked through earlier. Holden started to cry, sobbing like a prisoner watching gallows being built outside their cell. Dad helped him, brushed his hair, but never lied to him, never told him things would be okay. The tapping at the window went on for the rest of the night. We huddled together in the living room for I don't know how long. Eventually, my mom tried to take us kids into my room while my dad stayed to watch the door. 
but the second we moved from my bedroom, the knocking came back so loud it was impossible to ignore. I was afraid the door couldn't take it. We went back to the living room and the knocking stopped. Only the tap, tap, tap on the window remained. None of us slept that night. The tapping stopped around 7 a.m. That's about the time the sun comes up. We waited another two hours for my dad to open the blinds from one window. He made us all go back to my parents' bedroom first. I heard him open the door and then come back in. Okay, he told us. It's done. Holden's parents came back around lunchtime. My mom and dad walked Holden over to his house and they all went inside for quite a while. Nola and I watched from the window. She stuck to me the whole time. Oh, she stuck to me the whole day right by my side, sometimes holding my hand. While my parents came back, they looked grim, but they wouldn't tell us what they had said to Holden's family. It was a Sunday, so we all spent the day together, ordered pizza, and watched movies. That night, everyone slept in my room. Nola and my mom in the bed with me, and my dad in a chair he had pulled over. There was no knocking that night or any night since. We didn't see much of Holden or his parents the rest of the week, but by Thursday, there was a moving truck in their driveway. Nola and I watched them pack up the whole afternoon after school. What sticks with me the most is how tired Holden and his parents looked. All three the same pallor, grim mouths, and lightless eyes. Even from across the street, I could tell something was very wrong. Holden and his family were gone before sunset. I remember what the original welcoming committee said to my parents when we moved in. Not everyone who looks at the Whistler dies, but those who live have the light go out of them and the rest of their lives are full of misfortune. A million little tragedies. I think Holden's parents must have looked either to comfort him if they didn't believe him or share the burden if they did. I watch Nola some days, happy and young and alive, and I wonder if I'd been slower, if she would have looked out the window that night, would I have looked too, to comfort her, to share that burden? I'm glad I didn't have to find out. We still live in that house in that neighborhood. We still hear our whistler walking past every night. The blessings, the luck, the good things, the good things here are too good to leave. But we're careful. We don't have friends over to spend the night anymore. And my dad hides the keys to the blinds very, very well. Not that I've gone looking. Some things you just don't need to look for. The end? The end. But what was out there? I think Who it's like whistler? I think it's like another doppelganger situation. I yeah. really do. I think it was like actually Holden out there, or like everybody sees themselves. Yeah, or maybe it was like, uh, or maybe it was like, um, they could be like a warped, like really f- fucked up version of mm. him. Like, may- I mean, this is a little kid. Maybe it's him when he's like ninety five years old yeah. or something, and it like freaks him out or whatever. But, or maybe it's a. Um, I want to see Skinwalker. Ooh. I think it might have been a, might also be like a Skinwalker thing. But it would be a great movie, I yeah. agree. I think it would be really fun. <laughs> also, I was thinking the whole time and I was like, there's some nights where I'm rolling in at 3 a.m. I'll be like, all right, Whistler. I'm well, tanked. I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, obviously this is why this is like set in like a suburb with like right. the children. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, 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 a no. 20-something-year-old rolling in from the bar. You're like, all right, pack it up, Whistler. I've had one too many tequila shots, and I'm going to puke. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, yeah, it's just... Um, that was, was good. I was going to say, maybe it's like a skimwalker thing, or... Yeah, that was good. It was well-written. Yeah, no, really well-written. Obviously, well, it won awards. I was going to say, both of those were yeah. really great. So the author's name is Travis Brown. Um, oh, I want to read it. It's called The House with 100 Doors and Other Dark Tales by Travis Brown. Oh, so it's like a, a series of stories. I think I was going to say, I bet it's a bunch of his his things. Oh, but, I like that. Oh, yeah. We're going to go buy this. We're going to go. Yeah, please go buy. Um, it looks like it came out earlier this year. 
please go buy this book. Um, it's $13. And if you like the spooky, it looks like it's right up your alley. I'm yeah. certainly going to go purchase a copy. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, uh, thanks for, thanks for joining us on our spooky, scary skeletons. Um, and we hope that you are having a happy and safe spooky season. If you want us to do another, uh, like Reddit or like, or or even like urban legend games, like we could Mm -hmm. talk about the midnight game or the three Kings or like things like that. Um, let us know in the comments slash the DMs, the reviews, the things that you want, but Ray, do you want to tell the good people where they can find us? I do. You can find us at the Min the Midnight Record on Instagram or TikTok at TMR Pod on Twitter and the Midnight Record at gmail.com. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe Please. the podcast. Send it to your loved Please. ones. Um, Fire it off. Also, uh, please send us your uh, spooky stories, be it real or fiction. Mm-hmm. Send us your true crime, uh, your favorite true crime cases. If there's any um, stories that you want us to specifically cover or specific people that you would like us to cover on the mm-hmm. podcast, please let us know about that as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Thanks for joining or, us. Also, if there's any, like, cool Reddit stories like that that you read, send them our way. Because that yeah. was really fun. Yeah. I liked that. Definitely. Um, well, but until next time. I'll see you at midnight. I'll see you at midnight. Not at 303 a.m. Not, 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 not between 303 and 305 a.m. No, Definitely. You. Absolutely um, not. Thank I'm you I'm hiding much. my eyes. <laughs>